You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins, skipping 20 chapters ahead. Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds. When I was growing up, we sang a lot in my house, which now sounds maybe a little weird, but for millennia, before the advent of Instagram and Bored Panda, humans would gather together and create their own entertainment. And this usually involved singing. Singing is our birthright as humans and should never be relegated to just professionals with access to recording studios. My parents are about the most hospitable people in the world, not to mention the most extroverted, and I grew up in a home that was always filled with our friends from church who would come over to eat Peggy's lasagna, after which we'd all gather together in the family room and sing songs. And sometimes these events would have a more planned, formal nature and would involve pie, hence the origin of the pie sing House for All Sinners and Saints had last week. About 40 of us gathered to eat pie and sing through a number of hymns that we are now adding into our rotation for liturgy. At one point in the evening, we were singing the hymn, I Must Tell Jesus. And when we got to the line that says, If I but ask him, he will deliver make of my troubles quickly an end, folks started laughing, always the theologically astute congregation, and Val said, "Um, I call BS on that. (laughs) This is, of course, a sentiment that I share, annoyed as I am by vapid theology that implies our lives can be problem-free if we just have enough faith in Jesus, which, rest assured, I will return to in a moment, but first let's talk about the gospel reading for today. In the 21st chapter of Matthew, Jesus is doing what Jesus always does. He is causing trouble. Again, it's basically like day two of his Occupy Temple Street protest. And on day one, I feel like it's important that you understand, on day one, he entered Jerusalem riding a stolen donkey, and a crowd of misfits were laying their members-only jackets down on the ground, so the stolen donkey will have a comfortable, if slightly off-brand, path to trod. People are shouting stuff, and then he goes into the temple and turns over the payday loans and lotto tables. He confronts the prosperity gospel preachers and suggests that maybe they can't use their private jets as a tax write-off anymore. And man, you know who loves this? The kids. Kids are smart, and kids ate this up, as well as the guy whose legs didn't work right, and the sex workers who were just there to get off their feet for a minute. The people for whom life is hard are loving this, but the priests and the the religious authorities, not so much. 
Okay, so that was like demolition day of a This Old Temple episode. The one where Jesus overturns the tables. Now, here's where we pick up. On day two, he starts to build it back up. But his temple is built of people and not stones and tables. So his teachings build up those who were cast down. He speaks to those who are standing meekly at the door so that they know their place is at the center. He speaks to those who do not have the righteousness it takes to make of their troubles quickly an end. He teaches mercy. He teaches love of God and neighbor. He teaches something new, but that sounds old at the same time, but old in a good way. And again, the people in charge, the people for whom the old system worked just fine, aren't too happy, and they confront him. By what authority are you doing these things? Where do you get that kind of confidence, Jesus of Commerce City? Where do you get the gall to speak without your voice trembling? Why in the world would you speak as if you have authority? You didn't even go to seminary. (laughs) To which Jesus asks, so how did uh, you respond to that whole John the Baptist thing? And that's the crux. See, because in the third chapter, which we heard at the beginning of this sermon, In the third chapter, the writer of Matthew said that John the Baptist was preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, and the people of Jerusalem and all Judea came and confessed their sins and were baptized. And as I've said before about that text, I just suspect it wasn't all the people. Like, I suspect it was just the people who heard the offer of a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins as a good news who ran to the Jordan. The sex workers and the single moms who can't afford childcare, and the middle-aged men who regret not having spent more time with their kids, and the people who were struggling with anxiety, and the ones who didn't fit into categories, and the ones who drank more than they should, the people who struggled enough to know that they don't have what it takes, the people who were poor enough in money and poor enough in spirit that they could not pretend they were not in need. The walk to the shores of the Jordan is shorter for those who know that what they have isn't enough, who are in need of a deep well on which to draw a source that is not us. I wonder sometimes what it really means to trust God. I mean, it's been a bit misused. Like, I know that cancer diagnosis is rough, but just trust the Lord and all will be to his glory. Or even like, I'm going to trust God to bring me an amazing job. I'm not going to actually work to get it, but I'm just going to trust the Lord to bring it my way. But my own need, my own need to trust God isn't about some kind of wish fulfillment delusion. She's not my genie in a bottle. When I say God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, I don't mean that God is going to give us what we want, like some kind of heavenly Santa, if all we do is just believe hard enough. Because that is more like having faith in faith than it is like having faith in God. And my own faith is too shaky and inconsistent and unpredictable to be that in which I place my trust. I think having faith in God looks less like the chief priests who are overconfident about their own righteousness and more like the tax collectors and prostitutes who ran to the Jordan. I need God because I need to give more love than I myself have to offer. 
And I need to extend more grace than is naturally occurring in me. And I need to access forgiveness somewhere that is not my own stingy heart. And I need more clarity and more confidence and more humility and more mercy than I come to the table with on my own. So here it is. The shores of the Jordan are the closest to those who know they need it. When Jesus told the religious authorities that the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of them, I think that's what he meant. See, I don't think that trusting God or needing God has to do with some kind of Pollyanna delusion that if I believe in God enough, God will shower me with cash and prizes. I think trusting in God is trusting that there is a source of love from which I can draw when I don't have enough, like overdraft protection. That there's forgiveness I can draw on. And mercy I can draw on. And peace I can draw on. You don't have to have everything figured out, nor do you have to have everything that is needed, because I promise you that you have the God that is needed. So if you're here tonight aware of your need, if you're here tonight and know that you don't have the mercy it takes to care for your aging parent, or the wisdom it takes to parent your aging teenager, or the love it takes to care about yourself, or the patience it takes to get through this liturgy without crawling out of your skin. I promise that at the shores of the Jordan and here at this table, it is not your righteousness but your lack that is your main qualification. I promise that you are closest to the Jordan, closest to the kingdom, when you actually need what is offered. That is what having faith in God looks like. And if you're here tonight thinking that you're doing just fine, that you have what you need, the good news is that you too get to enter the kingdom. There just might be some surprising people in front of you in line. Amen.